Welcome to Building Sustainability, the podcast that brings you interviews with designers, builders, makers, dreamers and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. I'm your host, Jeffrey Hart. Hello and welcome. Before we get into this podcast with Sarah Pugh, which is about permaculture and building community, uh, there's a few reflections I wanted to have on previous episodes and and stuff that's going on at the moment. Um, so after my conversation with Nick Hayes, uh, which is episode number 17, uh, we were talking about land justice. I was sharing the episode in a few of the Facebook groups that I'm in. And the response was mostly great. Um, but there was a few comments in there which which had the nature of why should I let people walk all over my land uh, when I worked so hard for it? That was the, the gist. And it got me a bit angry because um, I could see that their land ownership had almost certainly come from uh, a place of privilege that isn't available to all. And I was angry at how they could not see how privileged they were. Uh, and therefore offer up some of that to those that were without. And this thought process led me to analyse my own privilege. And I spent some time looking at that and realising that my race, my gender, my sexuality, my country of birth, my non-regional accent, all these things are a privilege that, that I didn't work hard to achieve. They were, they were just in place by dumb luck. And I've benefited from all of those things. Honestly, I'm pretty ashamed that I am 36 years old. And I haven't fully grasped how much of a, of a leg up that's been in my life. So that was my line of thinking. And then on May 25th, uh, 2020... Uh, when police were arresting George Perry Floyd Jr., a an African-American, uh, they knelt on his neck for nearly nine minutes uh, until he died. And this has sparked global protests and a renewed Black Lives Matter push. And I feel that I have to use this this small platform that I have to do my part and to speak out about this. Honestly, talking about this uh, is terrifying for me. Previously, I would have shied away from this um, and felt like it wasn't really my place to say anything. But I really feel like everyone needs to be doing their part. And I'm, yeah, I'm not sure that I have the right words and I hope that I don't say anything that's wrong. And if I do, then I really hope that people will contact me and, and I can learn and, and be better. And yeah, so with that in mind, I want to say what I can to help. The racist acts aren't just the visible violence and verbal attacks, but the subtle systemic and deep cultural biases that exist in our culture. And we need to acknowledge and understand these so that we can break them apart. And so I just urge you 
especially if you were white, to take a moment uh, to to reflect on the privileges that you've had, um, things that you haven't asked for or earned or just things that have been there always helping you. And that's not to say that you haven't had struggles and you haven't had hardships, but that just the colour of your skin hasn't been one of them and that's a huge privilege so what can we all do about this um first of all i'd urge you to if you can join a protest sign petitions and donate to the many great causes then educate yourself i've put a link to a whole host of videos podcasts and books in the show notes to this i want to end this segment by reading a part of M. Appleton's website, 100ways.site. M. is a friend of the podcast and was a guest on episode three, talking about her list of 100 ways to make an anti-capitalist building site. And one of them, number five, is discuss racism, sexism, homophobia and all prejudices every time it happens. And Emma's just redone her website and it's fantastic um i just want to read you a little bit from that entry silence is violence we cannot turn away we will not turn away systemic and individual racism has been claiming black lives for centuries the uk is not innocent i am not innocent and there's a quote from angela davies which says in a racist society It is not enough to be non-racist. We must be anti-racist. As a white person, I am complicit in white supremacy and must do the constant and committed work of unlearning my racist thoughts and actions. And I must speak out against every racism every time it happens. I want to acknowledge here that it is not easy to stand up and speak out. It is comfortable. And for many of us white people, we haven't had much practice and we hold fear of getting it wrong or being laughed at and bringing down the mood. But remember, our discomfort of being a beginner is not as important as human lives. We must make the connection between the racist joke that goes unchallenged and the death and brutality against black people that has existed for centuries. And so this leads me on to this podcast. Um which is part of my output to the world Um, and a quick scan of the 20 episodes so far and you'll see not one BAME guest. Now, I've been really conscious to keep the gender balance equal in all of my education and work uh, as a natural builder. Gender balance uh, in our industry has, has always been talked about and celebrated for being largely equal. So I think it's been easy for me with this podcast to reflect. And the way these interviews generally come about is that I meet the guest while I'm out doing my job. So it might be a colleague or a teacher or someone I'm an exhibition with. Our industry is pretty sparse in terms of people of colour. I have a few ideas as to why that might be, but I don't think that I'm the right person to talk about it. And so, as always, I welcome your suggestions, feedback and comments on ways I can improve 
and also the people that I can speak to. And I think as a larger question, um, how can we improve diversity in the eco-building sector? I feel like up to now, I haven't been conscious of the, the sway I've been giving this podcast. And I am now. And I hope you'll help me in uh, working to, to improve that and to be better. On to this week's podcast. It is with Sarah Pugh. Sarah is a permaculture teacher. She has been teaching permaculture for the last 20 years. I just did a course, a permaculture course, last year with, uh, with Sarah at uh, Shift Bristol. Um, it was an evening course over 10 weeks. And we discussed and learned about many aspects of permaculture. And as well as learning about permaculture, uh, I met just some of the most excellent people, um, both the the teachers and the people that were there learning. So people in my community who who were passionate about about making the world a better place. And to me, permaculture had always been around my building practice. The first place I ever studied at Provecho. While I was learning building, there was a permaculture course running concurrently. And, and so it's always been around me and I've sort of picked up little bits here and there. So and that, and that was why I wanted to, to study it further. But I was surprised during the course to find out that much of what we learned, while it was rooted in practical application, it always had an aspect of growing community, of bringing people together. Um, and that's what I wanted to ask uh, Sarah about. And, and this especially uh, in a city uh, such as Bristol. Um, that is all for me. Um, I should say before the episode that once again, uh, the quality is a little bit, it drops in and out. Um, and we had a bit of trouble. Um, you'll notice that the, the interview uh, sort of changes after a couple of uh, minutes. Um we had to switch from phones to laptops and yeah i think between uh sarah's internet and my own there was a few little quality uh complications um so it does it sort of comes in and out um there's sort of echoey uh bit um but it does it's mostly good so uh stick with the conversation um because it does clear up ah oh, lockdown hey eh? so much easier when you can just sit with a microphone um great see you at the end hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Permaculture is, I like the... Uh, the shortest the shortest description I know is that it's um, applied ecology. So it's taking an understanding of nature, of how nature um, survives and thrives and is connected and um, waste free and productive. And then using the um, principles of how that all works to apply to human settlements. So how we build, eat, share things, um, use the land, use resources, look after the place. And and it's kind of very uh-huh. much based in design. It's a real sort of holistic, integrated design okay. system. There, permaculture in, <laughs> permaculture in a nutshell. I'm quite proud of that. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's like a 60-second yeah. permaculture uh, roundup. <laughs> Why is that an important way of, of sort of thinking or designing? It's the only way, isn't it? Um, well, it's just very, it's very, I think, I think the way that's um, quite good to explain it really is that, is that the way we're doing things like in the normal world, in inverted mm-hmm. commas, is that it's very linear you know, we we grow something over there, and we ship it in, and we use a bit, and we send the waste off into the distance. And we we in permaculture, it's about creating more cyclical systems, mm-hmm. so that we're replenishing and building, and kind of you know, sort of building the productivity and the and the um, abundance within the system. Okay. And I think when we look at where we are in the world now, where um, waste and um depletion of resources and um you know, pollution and and all that kind of thing are are beginning to peak mm-hmm. um then we then we need to start doing something different quite quickly i think yeah is is there a really simple uh sort of uh example of of like permaculture in action that people can grab wrap their heads around yeah, I suppose. Um, I mean, it's difficult because I think, I think sometimes forest gardening becomes sort of synonymous with permaculture, and permaculture is more than just forest gardening. But I think okay. the forest garden is a really good example of that. So, if you think about a kind of standard wheat field, yeah, where you've got massive inputs in terms of, um fuel and pesticides and fertilizers and and um you've got this very two-dimensional growing um space where the you know the wheat is being grown and then it's harvested and and kind of shipped all around the world and you, you know it's kind of like this, this very high intensity there's a high yield but there's an enormous amount of energy goes in from 
from elsewhere into making that yield. Mm -hmm. So you're exchanging fossil fuel energy for and, and fossil fuel energy input and also a huge amount of kind of pollution in terms of um, runoff into the water system, kind of CO2. You, you know, there's a whole load of outputs from that mm -hmm. that makes this 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 grain that we then eat or, you know, feed to livestock or whatever. With permaculture, if you think about a forest garden, which is, you, you know, various seven layers of um, different productive um plants and trees there's um this kind of very th um three-dimensional element of things growing at different heights you've got um things growing in the soil at different depths as well so you're making you, you know as opposed to that two-dimensional wheat field with all the roots at the same the same depth in the soil mm -hmm. with the with a permaculture system you're kind of using that three-dimensional space all the water all the nutrients and at the same time it's kind of feeding itself it's creating that you know the leaf litter from the trees is replenishing the soil you've got a whole load of of um kind of beneficial relationships within all those plants where they're um attracting predator insects or they're um repelling different pests or you know there's this is kind of incredible interactive robust resilient system there mm -hmm. and because it's no dig you've got a whole load of um of kind of healthy interactions going on in the soil instead of that being kind of killed off by um fertilizers and exposed by digging so there's a you know there's a lot to unpack there but i think the forest garden is a really good um example of what permaculture is all about because you're you're year on year you're building in the complexity and the diversity and the and the kind of resilience of a system mm -hmm. it, that you know that and the more diversity you have in that system the more resilient it is okay. um yeah so so it's a it's a tricky one to give a simple yes. example of really in the forest garden uh scenario is it considered a, a sort of um self-regulating system i guess so there's you once it's sort of set up it shouldn't need too much in the way of uh sort of extra inputs like in the the, the sort of wheat field uh example you know there's there's all the yeah. sprays and there's whatever whatever else yeah. needs to be added in yeah by the end of every season of that wheat field it's taken back to bare yeah. soil and at that point that soil is incredibly vulnerable to being washed away ending up at the bottom of a river causing flooding <laughs> you know there's like there's a whole load of things that happen to that yeah. field to get it back to the beginning every year um you, you know before you even get into the chemicals and the and the soil life and sure. all the rest of it and so yeah so so what you're working with, with with a forest garden system is that you're building the soil stability and the drainage and the and the and the the, the, the um the ecosystem is kind of being built and and so you're creating this this you know ever more resilient uh -huh. system um i don't know whether it's entirely no work but it's certainly it's certainly less brutal yeah in terms of what happens to the soil yeah okay i, I yeah i think to call it you know self-managing no no work would be uh uh you know a fib i'm <laughs> saying yeah well you've got to eat it <laughs> you've got to eat it and prune it and you know um put put you know knock things back and yeah all sorts of things but 
Yeah, and again, I mean, again, that's not, I, you know, I really want to emphasise that permaculture doesn't mean you have to do forest gardening. It's just an element yeah. of and a, and a kind of good example of that kind of working with nature, building those natural systems and kind of building those resilient, diverse systems rather than bending nature to our will with a whole load of chemicals and energy and machinery and, and kind of, you know. I think when people think about uh sort of permaculture and sustainability i think they generally imagine this sort of moving to the country uh building a little mud house roundhouse um and then growing their growing their food in a you know in a, a forest garden or or something like that um but that's realistically not the way that most people are going to live um and so I'm interested to find out how people can bring sustainability into uh, the towns or the cities they live in. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we do all have a, um, um, yeah, this sort of idyllic country chickens running around your feet while you pick apples from the orchard kind of idea. But mm-hmm. what, I mean, I, I've been teaching permaculture in the city for nearly 20 years and what's really interesting about it is that we've kind of um if we're if we're talking about real sustainability and we're also thinking about feeding populations and um managing stewarding land and you know there's a whole other stuff that goes beyond I want you know what's my kind of picture of the perfect sustainable Mm -hmm. life and how do we actually create a sustainable system for everybody and if you in that scenario it's kind of um, a bit tricky to imagine that we're all skipping around with our chickens or apples in the countryside so (laughs) so for me permaculture has very much been about starting where we are and a lot of people live in the city it's a really nice place to live for lots of reasons, as you know, certainly used to be. Um, theatres and uh, <laughs> you know, people and interesting ideas, and you know, it's kind of um, there's a lot of um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons to be in the city. So, um, what I've been focusing on is how do we create systems within the city that are more sustainable, are more productive, that are using and around us that are that are you know um um and kind of building community around us as well so um mm-hmm. and permaculture is a really good thing for that and so um what's always been um surprising to me is how much land is actually available in the city how much we can do yeah. with it um and also the strength of it's it's not just that permaculture builds community, but that you actually need community to build permaculture. You, you know, it's it's um, if you take out of the equation lots of chemicals and, and machinery and things like that, then then you um, you need other people to do things with. That you can yeah. build, you can plant an awful lot of trees in an afternoon. If there's thirty of you, it take it would take you a really long time. If it's just you, you know. So so that kind of sharing the labour and um, sharing the produce and and comes hand in hand really with with creating the sort of land based systems. So um, what are, what are some of the things that that you've done or you've seen in your 
your 20 years of... (laughs) (laughs) That I'm allowed to talk about. Um, The... Yeah. Oh, goodness. I mean, so many things, really. I think I think I kind of started off on the community garden tip. So um, finding pieces of land, disused allotments and bits of kind of waste ground at the edges of parks or in the middle of housing estates or by the side of railway stations, you know, wherever wherever we could find Mm -hmm. a bit of derelict land, we would plant it up with or wildlife friendly plants or you know and and we and and so I kind of was involved in in lots of those things what um um yeah and I think I I think I kind of maybe I started from a perspective of let's make the land better and what came out of that was oh look we've made the community better we've actually you know um brought people together and we created this kind of amazingly functional network of people um we actually the, the first year we built a roundhouse in bristol was a really good example of this and we had um tony wrench came over from wales and and i think he was quite trepidatious to start with about being in the city like how are you going to do this in the city when you when you're not surrounded by woodlands and kind of you know all these rural mm-hmm. rural things that are available to us and so we were we were planning this roundhouse with cordwood walls and you know and 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 we went and and we we had a phone call from a friend who said there's um tree surgeons in the cemetery they're chopping down all these trees do you want them so we drove over there and loaded the back of the car up with all this this wood and you know so we used that for the wall um network rail were chopping down were coppicing a load of ash on the on the railway embankment right next to the build site so they threw the roof beams over the the fence and we had that and you know there was there was a point where I think we needed a ladder and I don't know a ladder and a some specific kind of hammer or something and I said oh hang on I'll make a phone call and you know two minutes later all these tools turned up from my friend James, who lived around the corner, who also then took loads of great photos of the build. And, and Tony turned to me at one point and he said, gosh, you swim in a really good river here, don't you? And, and this this idea that this kind of, you know, that, that pretty much anything we needed was really at our fingertips through the connections of people. Yeah. You know, it, we didn't necessarily have a small holding with all the materials and all the tools we needed in our own personal kind of stash. But we had connections to connections to connections to people who were happy and willing to share and who, you know, and to kind of all these otherwise unused resources that kind of in, you know, the trees and the, um, yeah, all the, all this, all the, you know, we, we did a lot of, um, we made a, a wall out of bottles mm-hmm. as well. So there was all the everybody's recycling went into the building as well so you know i think and and it's the and it's the social glue that that creates the our ability to do that really without the social mm-hmm. connections none of that stuff happens none of that yeah. stuff arrives on site um so i think that was just a really good you know just a really good example of how that all fits together really that's lovely i really i really like that uh and i think the um it yeah, my my work as natural builder has definitely been realizing that the the big tasks that you all do by hand it's 
quite often though those tasks are the well the, the sort of completed building end up being not what is the most you know great mm. thing about about that yeah and it's actually all the all the connections that have been made by people coming together with a, a shared enthusiasm uh I, th- I think it's it's part of how we are human as well you know like i think i think in our kind of modern society where we you know we sort of went through the the thatcher prism of there's no such thing as society and we're all in it for ourselves and things like that and uh-huh. you know and this idea of competing and and commuting and all this kind of stuff and actually when you get a bunch of people whether they're in the city or the country or anywhere and give them a physical task to do together Hmm. and they are using their muscles and the and they've got the sun on their face and they're maybe singing a song as they do it and they're using their hands whether it's in clay or with wood or chisels or you know that there's something knits us together really beautifully with that and it may and you may not even be you may not even have a chisel in your hand you may be you know stirring a big pot of soup or playing guitar Mm -hmm. to you know jolly everyone along but there's a there's a kind of community building aspect to that physical thing so bringing that into the city and kind of like exploring that in the city it's such a different way of being with each other than standing next to each other on a bus or on the tube or kind of sitting next to each other in a cubicle in an office. You know, it's like, yeah. it's just, a, so it's really, but, and those connections that what I've noticed over 20 years of doing this is that those connections that are built kind of puddling clay in a pond or, you, you know, throwing turf up onto a roof or whatever, those friendships last forever you know the the groups that we form and the communities that kind of come around these things are really strong things they're really solid so you you know it's kind of one builds the other builds the other there's no sort of you know (laughs) I don't think we can do sustainability unless we can do things collectively do things together we'll be back after a quick break Hey there, I'm Mick from the Mick and Pat Show. That's right, and I'm Pat. Looking for a podcast that's like catching up with old friends? Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at the Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Do you do you think it's um it's maybe like an old fashioned way of, of working, of, of being, and that maybe we're we're you know, modern society seems to separate us and put us on our own and you know, put us staring at a mm. screen. Well we're kind of commodified, aren't we? We've commodified everything. So everything mm-hmm. from childcare to, to transport to everything has become a way of making money, whereas yeah. what we used to do is come together to build a shelter or to put you know to grow food or to plant the trees or the old to... barn raising yeah well it, but it's important things isn't it and it's and it's and it's providing for our basic needs together and I don't I mean I also don't think that permaculture is about going back in time and kind of wearing hair shirts and drinking nettle beer and although that's quite nice um that's but you know really there's no there's there's plenty of kind of um modern applications of this and that we can use Mm -hmm. this that thinking to um 
to to kind of inform how we do things in cities and in business and in innovation and technology but i think yeah. there's something really fundamentally um attractive about just getting together and doing a thing physically using our bodies to do a thing mm-hmm. together really critical yeah um so you started off uh, talking about uh, community gardens how how are they benefiting um and who are they benefiting well, it's interesting in the in the in the you know with the old pandemic, mm. isn't it? Um, that people are gathering in community gardens <laughs> now to meet each other. You know, I know I know loads of people from Wales to Bristol to all sorts of places where uh, you, you know community gardens have become a, a safe place right. to meet in a way that cafes and bars and and clubs and you know bowling alleys are, are not mm-hmm. so much anymore. Um, so that so that's an interesting development that we weren't expecting. Um, there's loads of stuff around um, looking after people's well-being. There's lots of community gardens I know where people have a, an afternoon gardening together that that kind of you, you know alleviates loneliness, that um, helps them recover from trauma or from difficult experiences, or that just gets them outside mm-hmm. because. They spend the rest of the week on their computers. So I think, I mean, I just think community gardens are, are you, you know, there should be one on every street. Really. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because it's it's a it's a piece of, and also it's a piece of the city that belongs to you collectively. And you don't, there's not very much of that in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of feel like nothing really belongs, you, you know, you might, you might have your own back garden or your own, house but everything else is this sort of can be quite anonymous so so creating a place that belongs to you as a community is is um really crucial yeah. i think and i i know in the in the pandemicness um my neighbours have become the most important people in my <laughs> life you know fortunately we all get on actually we all have quite a nice time together generally mm. but they've been my you know, we've we've bulk bought plants and seeds and pies and kind of you know and yeah, they all came out onto their doorsteps and sang happy birthday to my son and, and his lockdown birthday, which was really sweet and you know so so I think the, that I think we've rediscovered the value of community. Yes. Quite recently, I think we've suddenly gone. Oh yeah, these these guys are the ones I need to rely on. So. Do you, do you think maybe the uh, the lockdown is just a big conspiracy uh, to create community? Right, do community gardens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah follow, just... follow the money. <laughs> yes, it wasn't a bat in Wigan. It was a, it was some community gardening old ladies in Yorkshire somewhere <laughs> visited their supporters to make us grow they, sprouts together. Yeah, spread this idea <laughs> like a virus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, I think you, you know. I mean, uh, uh, there's there's a huge there's a huge kind of resurgence before that anyway in the, in this idea of community gardening and re kind of regenerating space. I mean, you look at the incredible edible um, model, and it's mm-hmm. you know it's taken some really miserable and depressed um, places and and totally revitalised the local economy and the and the sense of of their place and, and and each other and you, you know I think I think if you go to a meeting 
and or even a sort of social occasion, there's an awful lot of pressure on you to be something or to be clever or witty or yeah, you, you know, and and so that that kind of precludes an awful lot of people. And I think come along and I don't know, pick up some litter or or you know, or, or plant some seeds or water things. It's a really inclusive way of people coming together it's nice yeah. for people to feel you can be side by side with people um, instead yes. of like directly facing them yeah it's a lot more comfortable isn't it yeah and so you mentioned incredible edible there what for the people that don't know uh, about that that program it's all over the uk now mm. in fact it may even be all over europe um yeah it was it was a uh it started in todmorden um and yeah, and it was a it was basically a, a a bunch of women who said let's grow some stuff in the street. You know that was that was where it started, and and it kind of snowballed and then and incredible edible Bristol. My friend Sarah Venn has been doing amazing work in Bristol, going into communities and taking, you know, kind of um, encouraging and and um, supporting local people to just take over parts of their local community and grow things together so it's a it's a cool thing to do really and this is in a, a sort of not in a, a gorilla way or in a gorilla way bit gorilla-y <laughs> gorilla-y times but not always like sometimes it's getting permission to use a piece of land sometimes it's um negotiating with the council for the, a corner of the park or a or a you know traffic island or or you know, or it's yeah. There's a whole load of things. I mean, I, I I did a I did a tour of the states a few years ago and looked at various kind of sort of that kind of thing over there as mm-hmm. well. There was some some very cool things over there. You know, massive massive forest gardens down to you know, and and then commercial businesses using people's front gardens to grow crops and feed 60 people in a in a box scheme by putting all the different crops together and so you, so there's a whole load of different ways of doing it isn't there you know it can be voluntary or it can be it can be business as well so that's that's a sort of quite exciting um angle as well i think yeah definitely um tell me about the uh, community orchard which one the oh. one <laughs> wow. which one so, do you want to talk about <laughs> well Oh, gosh, there's loads, actually. I mean, one one project that I've been really um, impressed with recently has been, I think they're now called The Orchard Project. Mm-hmm. They're in London, and um, uh, a friend of mine, Lewis McNeil, works with them. And they are, again, using derelict kind of um, abandoned bits of waste ground in communities and planting orchards there really great education and support programs and kind of resourcing yeah. communities to come together and choose the varieties and prep the soil and get watering um, regimes happening and all that kind of thing. And they're doing, they're doing amazing things. Um, I'd like to see that in Bristol. Um, yeah, we did. Oh, I know what you might mean. Do you, um, so the, the um, virtual orchard. That yes, we uh, that's, doing. that's yeah. it. So, so we did a thing a while ago where we were looking for a piece of land to have an orchard in Bristol and we couldn't find any that wasn't like on, up for sale for millions of pounds. So we encouraged the community to buy, so we, we bought trees in bulk and then we sold them for the for the at cost and 
I think, I don't know what the number is now, but there's a, at least a couple of thousand fruit trees in and around Bristol now um, because we just encourage people to come and buy a tree for their garden or six trees for their school grounds or set up community projects. And, and it really took off. It was really, yeah, encouraging and, and informing people as to how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, because we only had to dig one hole every year. <laughs> we only had to plant one tree and then we went, ta-da, look, this is how you do it. And then people took their trees and, and went off home. So, yeah, I mean, it's quite, it's, it's funny. It's like, this sort of feels like ancient history now. <laughs> it's right. sort of, my community gardening days are sort of quite a long time ago, I suppose. Yeah. 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 I've been sort of more, more involved in kind of looking at the, don't know like the I, I got very involved in transition for a while which was which was you, you know kind of how do we push these this permaculture thinking into kind of um into the whole city and the whole town and kind of really think about that and there's some really exciting stuff happening with that as well that goes kind of beyond the community garden into um food systems there's i mean there's so much there's so much going on there's so much going on in bristol there's stuff going on all over the world with this Stuff, yeah, really. That's so innovative and exciting. Was um, Bristol the first transition city? Am I right in thinking that? Mm-hmm. Was that was that your your doing? Yeah, <laughs> I saw a little video the other day that you popped up. Oh, did on. you? Yeah, um, about some people travelling uh, across the states and and seeing all the different uh, transition towns. Oh yes, yes. So yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so what? I mean, how should we talk about that for a bit? What? How? Yeah. What? What are we transitioning from to? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? In the again, sort of recent months, we, you know, one of the things that transition was really good at was imagining future scenarios and and kind of building building resilience and you know kind of um and, and i don't think we saw this one coming no <laughs> this was never in a never went to a workshop about this one um but yeah but i think i think the idea behind transition was to take the principles of permaculture this idea of you know creating resilient and sustainable systems in in the land and in community and then and fold it out into what you know what does a what does a city look like i mean so one one of the sort of um um, related directions uh, around that is about local food Mm -hmm. you you know Mm -hmm. so, so lots of discussion about how does a city feed itself how self sufficient could we be how can we you know recycle and reuse our waste in the city mm-hmm. and one of the great things in bristol is 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 so many different local food initiatives you, you know from from market gardens and box schemes and those sorts of things to um projects like street goat where street goat street goat have you heard of street goat not, no. they collectively look after goats and they have a milking rotor and they use the goats to go around the city and clear rambly, scrubby places and get it ready for growing more productive food. And you know, so the so the goats have a job. Yeah. The milk is shared and the care is shared of the goats. So are they just sort of led around on a leash? 
and yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> they they have they have various you know they spend some time at city farms and things like that, and then and then they sort of move from allotment sites to um to other other places. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they're kind of like hired munchers really (laughs) (laughs) because goats are incredible for clearing space yeah so you know which and i think to have that in the city is such a such a brilliant you know it's a brilliant achievement isn't it really to have that kind of um pretty rural um mechanism yeah clearing on developments to you know to sort of and and that that it's run as a community is is fantastic Yeah. yeah What are what are like what are the challenges that it being a city? What what challenges are there, or that that maybe wouldn't exist for a, a smaller population? Blimey! Well, <laughs> what oh. challenges aren't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's there are lots of challenges. Like you, you know, there's always competition for land. You've always got developers or roads or kind of new shopping centres or you, you know somebody always wants to use that yeah. lovely yeah. bit of soil for something that isn't growing carrots, isn't it? So. You know, there's been there's been various battles over the years over pieces of land that you, you know the 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 permies think should be used for growing food and and you know the city council think should be used for growing the economy or parking cars on or you, you know so so there's always that competition and in any city there's always going to be that I don't know people think vandalism is a problem but I've 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 not experienced that hugely in the city really. Um, mm-hmm. and and people are very busy in the city, aren't they? There's a there's a kind of you know everybody's sort of trying to pay the rent and 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 get by, you know. So so all of those are challenges, and I don't, and I don't think they're necessarily um specific to cities either. I think I think we're all busy, mm-hmm. you know. But I also think that the that kind of in amongst that the opportunities is that there's a real need in the city to connect with nature and there's a real kind of appreciation for good food and there's a there's a ready market if you can find a piece of land which lots of people have and produce food or create spaces where people can relax and hang out and do storytelling or any any of the things that happen on some of these amazing community projects then there's a there's a huge market for that in in the city people who the rest of the time are spending their lives in offices and kind of traffic jams so (laughs) you know so there's and and also i think that cities are quite open to ideas there's a there's a sort of quite um vibrant community in the city isn't there where people are sort of Mm -hmm. open to things and you know it's easier to find lots of people, lots of like-minded people because there's loads to go at. If you live in a village and there's only 30 people, you could spend a long time trying to convert people to, to a certain way of thinking, you know, because you've got less, less kind of connections. Yeah, yeah. Less, less to aim at. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe just, that seems a little more aggressive at <laughs> yeah but i think you, you know i think i think so so i don't know i mean there's maybe a generalization but certainly the rural areas that i've lived in there's a there's a it's they're slower to change 
because yeah. there's a kind of very set way of doing things around here, you know, and a sort of suspicion sometimes of 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 new ideas and you know that's a, you know not a superstitious suspicion, but kind of you know sort of um yeah it's easier to be set in your ways i think and in cities you've got a much more transient population people are much yeah. more used to coming across loads of different ideas all at once you know so so yeah things can take hold quite nicely in the city i think um what what sort of things uh has bristol got going on particularly we can inspire people with Ooh, gosh loads um so there's some huge Okay, there's loads of, I mean, there's loads and loads of community gardens and um, community gardens for refugees, community gardens for health and well-being, community gardens with bees in them. You know, there's like real, there's a real kind of mix of different ideas and thinking about things. Um, there's a huge amount of food recycling. People are kind of, you, you know, um, all the food that would otherwise be going to landfill is is often um you, you know really nicely redistributed by various mm. systems um um you know taking food that would be thrown out of supermarkets and kind of taking it to soup kitchens and things like that um yeah, yeah i mean there's some really interesting things so so feed bristol is another amazing project um which is run by the Open wildlife trust and has been running for 10 years now i think um mm -hmm. and they do amazing things like they grow wildlife friendly wildflowers and um vegetable um seedlings and things for for people so that's kind of spreading out that amazing diversity of plants across the city um but there's yeah. also little projects up there like herbal medicine projects there's um, a couple of guys um, growing mushrooms who are kind of, you, you know, getting really good at producing edible and medicinal mushrooms, um, you, you know. Um, and, and Is that the, the Fungi Forever guys? Yeah, yeah. Fungi Forever yeah. and upcycled mushrooms is the other is oh, it patrick the other one mushrooms. um yeah so they're they're producing them and selling them but they're also teaching people how to produce their own and you know which which again is a, is it, it, mushrooms are, a, are amazing and really high quality nutritional um thing that can be grown anywhere really you don't you, you know they can they're, they're sort of um pretty versatile so so in, when we think about how do we be self-sufficient in food in the city then growing that really high quality food is a, is a good way to be thinking about it rather than you, you know how many acres of potatoes can we get going in the city centre mm -hmm. we need to think about you, you know the high value how can people make a living if if land and space is a premium in the city um you know what's the what's the kind of highest value use we can we can make out of that is a is a sort of permacultural approach really so yeah so so mushrooms they're good and there's people experimenting with aquaponics which is where you grow fish in water and the um fish poo is then fed through a system into plants it feeds the plants the plants filter the water and the water goes back in clean to the fish so it's a really kind of um um, cyclical system of of doing that um 
Yeah, God, there's loads. And there's loads of, um, as I'm sure you know, loads of green building projects around the place mm. as well. You, you know, there's some really cool self-build projects and um, community land trusts and people taking on bits of land and, and collectively designing and getting planning permission and building little eco houses all over the place so yeah so there's like there's loads going on there's absolutely loads going on i mean there's loads going on in other cities as well so bristol's bristol's my specialist subject um but yeah yeah i mean yeah i think there's stuff going on all over the world really um yeah it's really easy to look out in despair at all the crazies in charge and that sort of you know seemingly endless consumerist um culture going on out there but um being in the permi world you you really find these amazing innovative um people so yeah who who are really um passionate about creating better systems i guess i'd quite like to to inspire some some people just to some do some things <laughs> go and do some things uh, what it's like, great what, <laughs> there you go done inspired <laughs> um but what what are some maybe some uh like beginner projects or or like a, <gasps> a, a first step sorry i've sprung this on you i should have uh yeah that's fine um oh there's so many there's so many different things i mean um yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I've been. It's been really interesting having lived in my street for ten years, and I've never really foisted my um, cultural ways on my neighbours. You know, it's kind right. of. And, and yet, with lockdown, it's been really interesting that suddenly we have a WhatsApp group and everyone's chatting, and we kind of, you know, um, occasionally have conversations and things. And there's mm-hmm. so many good things come out. One of them is that the is there's a back lane along some of the houses which over the years it's kind of filled up with fly tipping and has become overgrown and so so there's bit you know we've had we've had um conversations happening where as soon as lockdown's over we'll all get out there and we're all you know we'll tidy it up and we'll make it into a nice place for the kids to play and you know so yeah. you can find those spaces any spaces the spaces that are annoying people are usually opportunities. So if you've got a derelict mm. bit of land where people dump shopping trolleys and, and you let their dogs pay when they don't pick it up, they're the really good spaces to say, well, let's plant some nice things. You know, and Just starting with something that's easy to do. Yeah. The other thing is things like food co-ops. You know, there's all sorts of ways of collectively making good, wholesome, organic food cheaper by buying it direct from the producer um as a group you know yeah so, um we've been doing a bit of that in our street recently as well just kind of you know organizing box schemes or bulk ordering you know yeah bulk order compost went out recently because i've grown grown tomatoes in their front gardens now and you know so <laughs> so it's those little collective things that are fun to do and it could be anything. It can be I, one one that I really like is the small library where you just put a little cupboard out on the street and people put books on it, and right. you can swap them and take them when you want to and put your old books on it and things like that. And you know anything anything that kind of collectively shares resources and gives you something to talk about is a really good place to start. I think it, it, it seems like a lot of these things are just 
getting yeah getting people to talk getting uh well, i'm thinking uh, about a friend of mine who's who's got in contact with all her neighbors and found out who wants to grow some food in their front gardens and she's organized everyone on the the north side of the road to have you know all the all the plants that are going to enjoy that and then the south side she's got growing different food and then the idea is that they're paired up and you know at the end of the, the growing season they're all going to swap and uh, and have equal amounts of everything yeah i mean i think it's really easy to get kind of overfaced with how do we solve everything mm-hmm. there's a brilliant project in chagford in um dartmoor where a couple of guys said let's let's do composting on our allotment you know really like composting like i'm really into composting let's do it and so then they got all their mates to bring over any green waste and they kind of composted it and then they created this kind of very heath robinson compost sifting machine with a old lawnmower engine and a (laughs) wheel and things and um and that kind of snowballed into oh hang on we're we're producing more compost than we can fit on our um, on our site and then oh actually we could recycle other things as well couldn't we and how do we do this and and it's turned into over over sort of the last 20 years really um this project called proper job where they now i don't know how many how many people they employ but it's about five people employed they recycle everything from old radiators to paint to clothes to wood to um um books they've got a bookshop there they've got um old bikes they've got tons of compost that go through it every every year they train people in kind of upholstery and carpentry and things like you know i mean it's like this incredible project that that started with this seed of let's not th- let things go to waste and let's not send things to landfill and, and kind of escalated into this incredible project that's now on a on an old industrial i think it was an old lorry park or something uh-huh. and it's kind of you, you know a, a half acre site with um a whole economy and it's got you, you know they've got a, a cafe in town and they've got a another bookshop in town you, you know it's fantastic it's really it's a really vital and and kind of thriving project yeah. and it just started with let's make compost and you know see and and because we love that (laughs) so there's no I think once once you um there's a there's a sort of permaculture philosophy which is that the yield is limited only by your understanding and imagination and I think that's really you know as soon as you start thinking oh how do we reduce the waste for this and how oh hang on what if we use it for that I love it there's permaculture's got so many of those little phrases hasn't it I think my yeah. personal favorite, I think, is um, pollution is just excess resource. Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. it's a really simple thing yeah. that just flips your flips your way of thinking and, yeah. and seeing like, oh, I've got all this stuff now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just need to find out what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that it's that kind of creative process as well, isn't it? That that. um you know i think one of the things that's been really great about doing permaculture in the city is is um is being really resourceful you know you kind of walk past a skip full of whatever reef tiles or you you know um bits of wood or or old drain pipe or you, you know and suddenly it becomes the 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 basis for a water harvesting system or for you know and and that whole kind of um 
yeah, being being resourceful and, and making use out of things, I think is mm-hmm. is really crucial because we're we're such a we're living in such a wasteful culture at the moment that it's you know the more we turn into the borrowers, the better really. Or the wombles, <laughs> possibly the wombles. The yeah. <laughs> we we did a building project for uh, for some people who uh, they had neighbours that they called the wombles, Excellent. and they uh, they worked at I think B and Q or. Uh, Ooh, some handy. some big box store. So all of the display items just came home with them at the end of their lives. And, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, it made for a very easy building project. That's for yeah. sure. Well, I I heard a great story a while ago of some people from um um London and Brighton who set up a kind you know sort of saved up and got this fantastic um piece of land down in Devon and and kind of you know one one of the um things they had to do was produce a business plan and explain how they were going to build things and do things and and loads of what they said was well we'll find the materials in skips because in London and Brighton you can't you, you know you walk around the corner and there's all the materials you need or there's mm-hmm. some more around here and of course once you get to a little village in rural Devon <laughs> that that they <laughs> It's kind of, you, you know, those finds become become impossible. So they, they had to really rethink their their um, business plan at that stage, you know. So <laughs> so yeah, yeah. There's definitely this kind of constant constant stream of amazing produce. A, a friend of mine, um, Fred, got into wormeries. He got really really into compost and wormeries. And worms like to be fed a constant diet of you know fresh waste vegetables so Mm -hmm. he set up a network of all the little corner shops um and this was kind of pre you know pre cooked food recycling and things and at the end of each week he would go around and he'd pick up the bags of old carrots or apples or anything that they hadn't sold that would have otherwise gone to landfill and he had these bins outside the outside the shops that they would put all their stuff in and then he would take it and get and feed it to the worms and then he, you know, the the worms became the sort of, you know, he, he was teaching people how to do wormeries and everyone who was taught how to do a wormery went away with a handful of these worms who were kind of <laughs> merrily being fed in this thing. So, you know, it, it's creating those connections and creating those kind of um, those those relationships within within the city, I think, is, is such a rich vein of, of opportunity for all sorts of for all sorts of productive things really um yeah, yeah and that was you know it was just fred getting really into worms <laughs> pretty sure he was tucking them up with a bedtime story at the end of the evening <laughs> of course they, otherwise they get grouchy like, don't get in there with them <laughs> so yeah yeah do you do you have a, a favorite project oh goodness Oh no, too many, too many. I mean, I think, I think, um, yeah, I saw some really great ones in the states. Things like um, um, the sort of in Detroit, which was which has been kind of financially completely destroyed, really. Mm. Um, and there was a market there that had been the the sort of central market for the whole of the of, of the area that was really kind of run down and you know not many people were using it and and a non-profit took it on and revitalized the market and one of the things they did was to turn an area into a kitchen 
and in that kitchen they did loads of kind of healthy cooking training and things but they and allowed people to use that kitchen to incubate their business so if you wanted to set up a business i don't know making pesto or pies or cakes or whatever you could use this this totally perfectly health and safety set up kitchen mm. get a load of help help get you, you know there was sort of supplies from the market you know kind of using local food and things like that but also help writing business plans getting finance finding your own premises you know and I think those sorts of those those really intelligent use of it it was just a quite a small space and yet the impact on the local economy and on their um, local food systems and on people's ability to start a business were really you know so so, so pro projects like that really I, I get quite excited about things like that because because so it, it, it's it's one of the things with permaculture is about working out what the obstacles are and then and then designing a way around it and I think that was just a, just a fantastic example of that really all these businesses that could now start because they had that first step on the ladder you know yeah 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 but look I mean loads that you, you know loads of amazing amazing amazing. Yeah, another one in San Francisco where, um, which was specifically for for girls in a really kind of you know quite a, an area with lots of gangs and quite mm -hmm. low um, um, life chances, I suppose, for for yeah. girls and young women. And yeah, this the amazing woman Brandy Mack who was. Um, using permaculture gardening and talking about feeding the soil and kind of you know watering things and all the rest of it as as a as a way of really teaching these girls about valuing themselves and nurturing their own lives and you know and that was having amazing effects on their confidence and life chances and stuff like that so when when the two things are knitted together when the when the human personal community um you know, educational, social stuff is knitted into creating amazing gardens with with loads of things growing in them. That, that's that's for me. That's really yeah. Oh. There's so there's too much. There's too many things. There's so you, you know, it's kind of like um, there's some there's some really amazing whole city projects that are really kind of looking at this on a, on on a whole city, and then there's amazing stories of of uh, you, you know sort of street level or community community level um things that are just really improving the quality of life and the quality of the environment that we live in so yeah i mean you can put you can do put i i'm re i'm a real believer that you can put permaculture wherever you are you start with you start with what's in front of you and you work from there really um and i think it's really important that people being able to just get on with it in the city you know and not kind of sit yeah. around thinking one day i'll be able to move to the countryside and then i can be sustainable like you know i've i've definitely been guilty of that a little bit um, yeah I've, I've just <laughs> i've just decided as of this week when i go back to work i'm bringing home wood and i'm going to build a little uh growing space at the top of the, the marina i live in uh, yeah yeah yeah, cool. So, Do it. So I, it's it's where I am. I'm not not dreaming about the the future. Well, uh, I think so. When I first moved to Bristol, 
and I started to, you know, I didn't intend to stay in Bristol. I was only going to mm-hmm. be here for like a year, maybe two. And then I was, I don't know, I think I was going to move to the countryside, actually. Um, I was going to keep going well, west build and end up in Wales and... or, yeah, you know, yeah, I did. And, I, and, and, um, and I went off to, I went off to mid Wales actually at one point and, and, um, and then came back and then I went down to Cornwall and then came back. And, and what's interesting is while I was here, I planted some trees. I got into permaculture. I did a permaculture course and then we planted some trees. And, you know, and the other day I walked past these trees and I just completely forgotten about them. And I walked past these trees and they're enormous. There's like, it's entirely, you know, this little strip of woodland that we planted and, you know, and I, and I just think, you know, I, I'm still here 20 years later, but, it, but you know, it's, it's that, it's the live like you'll die tomorrow, garden like you'll live forever, isn't it? And I think, I think <laughs> you never know, you know, you, you, you create a growing space, you grow some stuff in it and you, and, and you sort of start off that really positive chain of events. And, yeah. and then it doesn't matter whether you're going to be around forever to see it happen or whether you're going to, emigrate to australia the 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 following week you know it's there and it'll grow and it will develop and other people come into it so i I really love that kind of you know watching around and seeing things that oh look at that apple tree that i planted when it was a sapling huge thing full of apples you know so yeah i think that's i think it's a really good thing to just do it just do it get involved yeah um, so where, where where can people uh, get some ideas or some what's a, a good resource for people when they're obviously super excited from listening to this? Okay, um, one really good place is the Permaculture Magazine. They're a great bunch of people there. Permaculture.co.uk and they produce a quarterly magazine that's full of really great ideas, and they and they. Um, sell books as well on the subject mm-hmm. um permaculture.org.uk is the uk association they have links to the projects all around the country and um um land sites that you can go and visit should we ever be allowed out again <laughs> um you know so there's and, and they've got all sorts of um kind of education materials and things um yep. shift bristol we're at brill and um we're shiftbristol.org.uk um so we do um online courses um obviously now um but we also do person courses in bristol short ones and longer ones um and we do like a year-long course where you can immerse yourself in permaculture for a whole year really exciting um and that's land-based but there's lots of stuff around um, you, you know, um, group dynamics and social stuff as well. Um, yeah, they're good. They're good starting places. There's a there's a lot of um, and there's also Facebook groups actually. There's a um, Permaculture UK official is a really good Facebook group full of permies, um, or the Bristol one, Bristol Permaculture group. They just kind of get out there and go really. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, most pla- most places will have something going, you, you know. But I, and and finding your fellow permies and then just you, you know know some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another really good one, Ron Finley. Ron Finley in in LA, he does some great talks about gardening in the city. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So massive thanks to Sarah. Um, yeah, that was a really enjoyable chat. I yeah, very much enjoy listening to her speak. And hopefully you're you're inspired. And uh, if nothing else, you want to go and learn more about permaculture. Um, so I've put a load of links up in the the show notes for this. Uh, you know, transition town shift Bristol. Uh, there's a, the transition film that we speak about, Incredible Edible, Forever Fungi, um, Proper Job. Um, yeah, and a whole load. So, yeah, if you didn't quite catch the name of something, check out the show notes. And the final thing to say is that uh, this show has a Patreon, which, if you don't know, is a small way uh, that the listeners can fund programmes such as this. Um, I should start off by saying straight away, I'd much rather you give to the Black Lives Matters campaigns. If you've got some spare cash, give it to them. If you've still got some left over and want to support this podcast, then head to the, the Patreon site. That's patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. Uh, an incentive or a way to, to sort of engage people is that now whenever I've got an interview coming up, I'm going to post some information about the, the guest and then the Patreon subscribers can suggest questions and uh, and try and get you further involved that way. Um, so yeah, come back next week when we're going to have two interviews with uh, with Barn the Spoon, who uh, is one of the uh, the sort of champions of the green woodworking spoon carving uh, world. Great. Until next time. See you soon. Bye bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.